doing this World Changer series. And so I want to kind of spin off from one of the verses that we talked about last week about letting your light shine or being a, that God's called us lights of the world, that that's what he desires for us to be, is to bring his light and his love to make a difference in the people, in other people's lives. So let's look at Matthew 5. And I'm going to just go back to this verse that we hit last week and elaborate on it a little bit. It says, you are a light of the world. I like that. You know, that's kind of a big deal. Like God counts us. What Danny was saying is that we're the face of God. We are how people can see God and his love and his light. It says, we are, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And so this part is kind of funny because it's like, yeah, you, a lamp, would you put light it and then put a basket over it so you couldn't see it? it would be stupid, right? And so it's kind of talking about the fact that God has given us his light and his love not to keep it a secret, not to act like it doesn't exist or not to show it to people, but that we are to use the love and the light that he has given to us to shine forth to make a difference to others. And then it says, um, uh, but on a lampstand gives light to all who are in the house. Then it says in verse 16, let your light shine before men so that we may see, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And last week we talked about different ways that the Bible describes what light is and letting your light shine. But I kind of, this week, I want to focus on the good works part, because that's a piece of it in this verse of how we can let people know who God is, is by what we do, by our actions, by our behaviors, and how we help those around us. And I'm going to, and that's what we're focusing on today, is serving other people. Um, and Acts uh, chapter 6, the book of Acts and then so the result, actually, I just want to, uh, before we go into Acts 6, in that Matthew where it says, the part of letting your light shine is that they see your good works, what you do, of how you make a difference, and then they glorify God. That they see in you by your behavior and your lifestyle, and that's many things in the Bible. It's not just serving others. Some of it's just that you're walking according to the word of God and that there's fruit in your life, and people go, Wow. Have you ever had that, like, as you've come to, into a relationship with God where people go, what happened to you? You've really changed. Or people see that your life is transformed and changed, that you're going from, you know, kind of feeling not so great about yourself or feeling depressed or feeling sad or feeling alone to feeling full of light and life and excitement for life. I've seen that. And maybe your friends have, too. In that. So it's in our lifestyle and what we do that people see it and people see God alive in you. Wouldn't you like to have that? That people see you and they say, I see God in your life. I want that, right? I want that. I want it to be that people can know God through how I live, you know, and how I impact the world around me. And so in Acts 6, I love the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the first century church. It's the first time people could get saved, come to know Jesus, get born again, have eternal life, and it was on fire. That church, you know, the, the beginning, it's, it's how church should be. It's kind of like God set it up of what he intended church to look like. And so we learn a lot about how to do church from the book of Acts. And 
Um, and at that time, they were so excited about being able to get born again of Holy Spirit and to have Christ in them, the hope of glory. Because when Jesus was on earth, he could only be at one place in one time, right? It says when you believe and receive Holy Spirit, that it's Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you, too, everybody. So how, it says even in the Bible that Jesus says that the works that I do shall you do, and he says, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. So that's kind of a big deal. Jesus said, wait, really? Jesus did big things, right? He said, because he died and rose from the dead and you can believe on him and receive Holy Spirit, that power of the Holy Spirit in you, you can do the miracles and wonders that Jesus did. That's pretty powerful. And they saw that in the book of Acts. You know, and I've seen that today. It's not just something that got outdated. I still see miracles today. I've seen miraculous healings. It is available. And part of how we get to the place that that becomes more common and more frequent is by serving and growing in faith, by having a heart that's committed to be there, being there and making a difference for other people. And we'll see. We're actually, I'm going to show you what it looks like and, and what happens as far as being able to see miracles more. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Now in those days... When the number of disciples was multiplying, and disciples are like disciplined followers, people that are, didn't just believe, but they're, they're walking. They, they're going, I want to grow with God. I want to learn how to walk God's word. So the number of disciples were multiplying. It says, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And so this is just sort of like some tension from within the church. At this point, there were only Jews that were Christians at this point. Uh, the Gentiles had not uh, been brought into the fold. They didn't understand yet that Gentiles could also be saved, that Jesus came for everybody, not just the Jews. The Jews at first just thought it was Jesus came for them. And um, so this was sort of like a little conflict within the church between the Jews that were Hebrew, they spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, and the Hellenists, the Jews that were more like Greeks, that spoke Greek. And so they were feeling like the, the widows in, um, in the church were being neglected, that the Greek widows were being neglected in the daily serving or the daily distribution. It says, and then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And that word serving tables is is kind of a, it's the way that they spoke of doing business, like because business was conducted on a table. So the concept of serving tables was more like physical ministry as opposed to preaching the word of God. And so that's what, really what I want to focus on today is the power in how you can make a difference because we've been talking about telling people about Jesus and all of that, but that there's a lot of impact that you can make by physical serving of other people. And so it's saying right here, up until that point, the 12 apostles were kind of doing everything. And so they got to a place that there were so many people that they needed more people to rise up and to serve and to, and, uh, in order that the apostles could teach God's word more. And so what it said was in verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business, over the physical part of ministry, um, the business part, you know, uh, 
It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pucurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parm, I don't know all these names anyway. You don't care anyway, do you? Uh, and a pros- uh, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, uh, whom they set before the apostles. And then they prayed and laid hands on them. And then it says, then... The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So I want to kind of talk about what this is, because what happened was empowering other people to come on board and to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to help with the physical part of ministry, which is a big part of ministry. Lives were changed. Miracles and wonders happened. Up until this point, it was just the apostles doing the miracles and wonders. But they had people jumping on that said, where do you need me? I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to plug in. And lives were changed as a result of it. It doesn't, you know... So much so that Stephen was the first person mentioned in the Bible doing powerful miracles and wonders besides the apostles. Because the Bible talks about the fact that there's a few, there's a few principles here. For one, they multiplied the number of people that were willing to make a difference and serve and pitch, pitch in. And then that's, this was one of the big reports in the book of Acts. There's certain places that it says the church just blew up and exploded and people were just getting saved by the thousands. And this is one of those episodes that as they brought other people in to take care of some of this stuff, the physical things, the distribution, that that's what resulted in more people coming to know God and the miracles and signs and wonders. Now, part of it's like, God says, faithful in little, faithful in much. Part of how you grow in faithfulness for God to bring you into the faith that it takes to do miracles and wonders is serving, is doing things, you know, where you're faithful at just giving and plugging in and saying wherever you're needed. You know, the people, I get really excited about, and I love that um, our mornings here before service, you know, because our volunteer team comes in between 9 and 9.30 every Sunday to get things ready for you. And that group of people are changing lives. That's why we're able to serve others that people's lives can change because somebody cares enough to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm willing to be that person that maybe, you know, that, that is setting things up, that is setting the tables up, setting the chairs up, that's putting together all the electrical stuff, that's greeting people, putting together programs, all of those things. And that's exactly what happened in Acts is more people said, yes, here I am, Lord, send me. That's how they grew to have faith to do miracles. That's how Stephen started out to get to be in the place that he's the first person that they mentioned that's doing signs, miracles, and wonders besides the apostles. Because anybody can do miracles and wonders. It's a matter of faith. And you grow in faith as you're faithful in small things. The Bible says when you're faithful in small things, God entrusts you with more. You know, you step out and do small things and just say, you know, plug in and you are responsible and, and faithful, etc. At that, then God can entrust you with more and more things. So I, it's, it's just to me, it's a part of the, one of the big ways that we can be a world changer. And this has been really big change for me because 
I've always been passionate about telling people about Jesus because Jesus changed my life. So I'm, I've been a freak about that since I was 14. I just, anytime I can help people know Jesus, I'm, I'm all about that. But it's really funny because um, my heart is just really to, to help as many people as possible. And I, I didn't see this for a long time. There was a, we have this dating seminar that we do, the dating workshop on DVD. And it's on DVD now, but it was something that I was doing live for several years. Uh, it's about how to have better date, dating relationships, or all kind of relationships. It's kind of more of a relationship class. <laughs> and I realized, it took me a while, because I, I knew serving was how I grew with God and got blessed and made a difference. And the one, the, this was a big wake-up call, I, I had organized this dating workshop, and somehow I didn't ask anybody to help. So I'm teaching the whole thing live, it's at our house, and I bought the food, and I'm doing all the cooking, too, and running a group. And I just was like, my feet, I got a foot problem, too, so if I'm on my feet for a long time, it really hurts. And I was about ready to die. I was just, like, so exhausted, because it occurred to me that I was so oriented towards just serving, it didn't occur to me, it blesses everyone to serve. And that I wasn't empowering other people to see God bigger in their lives by saying, come on, I'm bored, and let's serve together. So now I'm seeing it that my main goal is to help other people to make a difference, to teach people how you can plug in, to raise up. One of our vision statements is to change the world, especially in the area of relationships, so that people can have amazing marriages, because most people's marriages suck today, you know. Um, and we want to change that so that people could actually have amazing relationships of all kinds. And so part of that is we want to raise up an army of disciples that have deep, meaningful lives that can pass on healing to others. And so that's, so part of just making a difference is what you do. Another part is teaching other people to serve as well, to saying, come on, I'm bored. The Lord, you know, Lord's got plenty to do. There's plenty of places you can plug in and make a difference. And so you see it in, um, to me, it's just like amazing to see what happened as a result of those guys empowering seven men to take over more of the physical ministry and uh, what it resulted in. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. It says in verse 25, it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, this is Je tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, <laughs> Jesus is like, what are you asking me for? You know what the word says. <laughs> he says, well, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? What do you say? Like, what, you know. so, um, so he said to Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So it's interesting because in, Jesus said that you could hang all the law and the prophets on these two commands, that these are really the ones that kind of, if you're doing this, you're keeping everything in God's word. Loving God first, that's number one. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's the first commandment, that God is number one, and, um, and that our commitment and love for, to serve him is number one. And number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's the one that we're trying to focus on today. And then it says um, in verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. It's life-giving. Doing these two commandments are life-giving. It says in verse 29, but he, the man, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus said to him, <clears throat> A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, a priest, you'd expect to do the right thing, right? I mean, they're supposed to be leading other people, so you would kind of think... If anybody would be the good guy, it would be the priest, or a Levite, who's also a priest. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Just like so painful to see somebody's hurting and dead on the side of the street, and they're going to avoid it by walking around to the other side. It's just like heart-wrenching. These are supposed to be the good guys and they could care less about somebody that they just didn't even want to see it. It's just like, okay, like, let me just pretend that that guy is not there hurting. And then it says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, famous, famous story, right? Famous Jesus story. Now, Samaritan in the Bible, in, in the Bible times were despised. The Jews thought they were dogs. They were so, dis there was so much hatred, I can't even, it's probably, it, it, it's hard for me to even understand what that is because I don't know that we have uh, that today in our culture as much, I mean, uh, among people, but that you would hate another race so much. Somebody that was just different because of how they were born. And so, and all, they were considered half-breeds, uh, because they weren't full Jews, and they, and also, so it just were, they were the bad guys. They were like the the most despised. They were like low, low. So here we got somebody, just think about this, you know who that would be. Um, and there were people that were considered to not really be following the law or the Bible necessarily, so maybe kind of also thought of as sinners. You know, I always like to think when I look at stuff like that, like it might be drug dealer or prostitute or something. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody that everybody would be like, whoa, that's the bad guy. Um, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he, when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. We talked about that in our opening, that Jesus looked at the multitudes with compassion is a sympathetic, it's feeling for somebody else and wanting to do something about it. It's feeling for their pain. He said he had compassion, and it said, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, uh, which is like two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So he's saying, whatever it takes to take care of this man until he can recover, I'll come back and take care of this. And so he says <clears throat> in verse 36, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves. And in verse 37, it says, And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. So part of this is just in life, whether in whatever circumstances, there are people right now in, in our lives, there are people all around us that are hurting, whether it's physical pain or, or emotional pain. You know, and we don't want to just ignore it and walk on the other side of the street. Let's look at, that's what uh, loving your neighbor as yourself and how you let, that's a part of how you let your light shine by your good works. Um, let's go to James chapter 2. 
and in verse 14. And these, uh, we're on, on uh, Version Bible app in case you want. The scriptures for every Sunday are on there um, if you want to log in. Uh, it says in, in James chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, What does it profit or benefit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And the word save is the word sozo. Sometimes it refers to salvation, and sometimes it refers to our healing process. Because you can get saved and have Jesus as your Lord and still need healing. You have spiritual wholeness, but not wholeness emotionally. Like, like we experience wholeness as we grow with God, where we get more and more healing that, and become more and more whole. This is specifically talking about the wholeness, not the salvation, because there's too many other scriptures that contradict this, uh, that if you don't, you know, Romans says it's um, that you don't get saved by works. So this can't be talking about that kind of salvation for eternal life. It says, um, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? Can the faith by itself make him whole? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled. <laughs> oh my God, it's just sad. Like, <laughs> but you don't give them things which are needed for the body. What is that profit? Also, thus also, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. And that word dead in the Greek just means lifeless. Your faith doesn't give you life. You know what? You can get born again, have Holy Spirit, be going to heaven, all hell can't stop you from going, child of God, and have a life that's just like somebody that's not a Christian, where your life doesn't change at all. The Bible speaks about that, that you can have a life that's exactly like an unbeliever that doesn't believe in God. Same thing, no healing, no nothing. It even says that you can have somebody that doesn't believe in God and is a better person than somebody that does. You can get born again, and, and somebody else that's not born again can be a better person, kinder, etc. God's desire is for us to have both. It says in verse 18, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. That's what we're talking about. There's people you know, that don't have faith, but they do good things. They're good people. It says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Like part of, again, being a light. You're not a light if you're not doing anything. You are somebody that's got a light, God gave it to you, and you put a basket over it. If you're not doing anything that makes a difference to shine light, to help others, etc., to know Jesus or to help spread the love, spread his love, spread his healing. It's like having a light that you just put a basket over it. Nobody knows the difference. Can it, doesn't, light is there, light's in there, but nobody can see it because it's hidden. So let's go to John chapter 13. And so it's the fullness of life. You're not going to see the fullness of life without works. And part of this, this is again, the works themselves are, are, besides helping other people, that's a piece of it. It's a piece of it. It's also a part of how we live as far as walking with God. In John 13 and verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. So this is kind of a, you know, it's something we don't do today. But in the East, people, when they traveled, it was dirty because they didn't have pavement. There weren't, you know, no blacktop, no concrete. So people walked with sandals in the, in the earth. And the, so when people came to someone's house, their feet were tended to be pretty nasty. So it was like usually the lowest, yeah, Lachey said she has her foot, she's like an anti-foot person. So it would be like way nastier than probably any of our feet here today. You know, walking dirt and mud and all that, and sometimes it rained. I mean, you can imagine like walking around and the, your feet would get pretty filthy. I, I walk around barefoot quite a bit and my feet get pretty bad, but this is probably a lot worse. So um, it was the lowest of the slaves that that, or, or servants that wash people's feet. It was an extremely menial task. It always helps me because we don't do this anymore. It, to me, it's very much like Jesus came to your house and said, let me wash your toilets. Wouldn't you think that's like one of the worst jobs in the house? You know, stinky toilets kind of thing. It's very similar to that where it's a very menial task. Could you imagine what that would speak that Jesus did this to the people following him? He was... He was Lord, he's a son of God. But he, it was just like his humility and his commitment to serve. Because it says also that, um, you know, Jesus came to serve and not to be served in his ministry. So anyway, so he's washing their feet. So, of course, they're shocked because in verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus said to him, what am I doing? You won't understand now, but you will know after this. And then, because he winds up teaching a little bit about the spiritual cleansing, too. And then Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said, oh, well, not my Lord, not just my feet, then my hands, my head. If that's what, how you want it, Lord, you can give me a bath. So, <laughs> so Peter was like, it's kind of cool, because Peter was just kind of getting... The what is Jesus doing washing my, you know, cleaning my toilet, showing up at my house with his uh, little, you know, scrubby, toilet scrubber thing. Um, in verse 12 it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. I am those things to you. I am... The, your Lord, I am your teacher, which are kind of more, you know, positions that you would respect and, and kind of um, an honor. It says in verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So this is, this is the heart, like it's all throughout the Bible, it speaks of serving. There is nothing higher that you can aspire to than being a servant. You know, it's just sort of like, and part of it is just where, being willing to plug in and to help where there's a need, you know, to step in. So much of our world and our culture today is so self-absorbed. It's just the me, you know, the selfies. It's selfies, self, everything's selfish. My gosh, wasn't there, wasn't a Kim Kardashian's book called Selfish or something? Yeah. Selfish. She actually has a book, Selfish. It's a bunch of selfies that are coming out. I don't know if it's out yet or not. Could you imagine? 
And people are honoring this person and respecting her for what? Like setting an example of selfishness? Good gravy, do you know? It's just what, I mean, the Bible says that there's fullness of life and where we see God is in serving and giving and how we can make a difference. And a powerful way to do that is physically serving. It's a way that you can grow. And part of it's like where we're always willing to scrub the toilets. Like that that's, that we're never in a place where it's just like, oh, I don't do that anymore. You know, kind of a thing. Although, you know, obviously one of the things is that, that the reason that the apostles stopped doing the physical stuff, it's just because they had a greater need to be doing, teaching people the word and traveling. But it's not because of a heart thing. It wasn't because, okay, I've now attained this special hotshot seat or something, you know, that the heart and our lifestyle is just always serving, you know, and making a difference. In the book of Acts, the power of when they saw the miracles and, and things just exploded, you can see what a difference it was when those seven people came on board and that it was spiritual. Physical things are, have spiritual meaning too or can when you're walking in the love of God and when you want to make a difference, part of the thing here with our volunteer team as they're getting ready is praying over this space that people's hearts will be open. I've heard people say, and I love this, over and over, that they walk through the doors and they felt the presence of God here. How did that happen? It's because people that are willing to come early on a Sunday morning and pitch in and do something to prepare the space, to have the heart and the vision to say, I want this to be a place that as soon as people walk in, they feel God's love. People that never knew God before can feel his love in this space, can feel welcomed, can feel cared about, that it's a healing place to be. God says, faithful and little, faithful and much. If we want to see God and grow in faith, and God says that, we are to teach faithful people who can teach others also. The part of this is that we want to serve, but also pass on the gift that it is to serve and how you see God bigger in this. We can change the world, guys. We can change the world. Whether, I'll tell you, a big thing is if you, if you plug in. You know, it's fun, too, honestly. Like, Sunday mornings is kind of fun, getting ready and having the excitement of, like, oh, you know, people are going to come. Who's going to come? Let's pray you know, et cetera, kind of thing. Also, Saturday, man, I think it's a, I'm excited about our Saturday service thing because this church started as a home fellowship that catered to teenagers, the teenagers that were doing drugs and stuck in things. That's some of our original people here in the audience were those teenagers that, uh, and so it's exciting to me to have a place that we can serve um, teens that are struggling with addictions in a group home and that we can make a difference in serving by scrubbing their toilets and helping mow their land and things, uh, mow their lawns and things like that. So um, I just encourage you to plug in, you know, and it's a place to see God better. Let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your goodness that you have changed our lives, that we can make a difference. We don't just have to sit and get depressed over hurt around us. We can do something. We can change the world one life at a time by passing on your love, passing on your light. We don't want to be the people that walk on the other side of the street and ignore people that are in pain. We don't want to be the people that have the light that you've given us and put a basket over it and act like nothing ever happened. 
Help us to be your lights. Help us to shine forth in this dark world so people can know you, can know your love, can know your light, Lord. Thank you so much for this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.